0: Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, If you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to tell the disciples the good news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me I am sending you and with that he breathed on them and said receive the holy spirit
1: Good morning everybody morning, morning. Thank you It is written He is written nice to get a bit of feedback. <laughs> right, I preached this message this morning already to Pat at the home. And every time I turned a page, she went, she got on went, is that it? <laughs> I said, no, sit back down. Hopefully you won't do the same. Reading from verse 19, of uh, uh, John chapter 20. <clears throat> on the evening of that be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So, let's just go behind those closed doors and spend a little bit of time there. What a state they were in. They were shocked to the core. The cruelty of the crucifixion. So much blood, so much agony. They were traumatized and they were grief stricken. Jesus was gone. Their relationship with him was over. It was broken. Three years had would spent following him. Trusting him. Learning from him. Relying on him. Leaning on him. Hanging on his every word. Three years of preparation. All those mind-blowing sermons and teachings and parables. All the healings. I saw at least three people raised from the dead prepared, they were prepared and all the provision Jesus had provided for them oh we need to pay the temple tax what are we are going to do, we'll catch a fish oh we've got no food, how are we going to feed all these people send them home, what have you got oh we've not caught any fish Throw your net down on the other side. Help, Lord, wake up, we're going to drown. Calm. But more than all this, the love was gone. When somebody's always there for you, and they go and they die, that's what you miss, isn't it? They're not there. That love that they had for you is gone. And that's what hurts the most, isn't it, when we lose a loved one their love for us always there for us I remember when my dad died because he used to rely on my dad for everything I'd phone him up Dad, can you come and put a shelf up Dad, can you fix this Dad, can you fix that and he was always there I can see him now walking down the garden path with his ancient drill in a wooden carrying box with his cap on ten minutes after I'd rang him he was always there And Jesus loved each one of them. He didn't love them in a batch. And they all knew that. John knew that, as he describes himself as the one who Jesus loved. John reclined at the table and lay his head on Jesus' chest. But not just John. They all felt specially loved. They argued amongst themselves. Who would be the greatest? Because they all felt like the favourite. I used to feel like the favourite. At home, I was one of four. And I was quite sure I was a favourite. When I was about seven or eight years old, I asked my mum, who do you love the most? And I was quite sure she was going to say, you, but don't tell the others. She actually said, I love your dad the most, and you four all the same. This is a good answer. And a lesson learned. But I still feel as though I'm specially loved by my mum. And it wasn't just the disciples. Time and time again in the scriptures we read about Jesus loving them. The rich man who came to him. And he had too much money and Jesus knew his heart. And he said, give your money away. He went away. It says... Jesus looked upon him and loved him. The Pharisees, he loved the Pharisees. and They drove him to distraction. He was angry with them and told them off all the time. But all those amazing parables, the parable of the the lost coin and the lost sheep, and the amazing parable of the prodigal son, which we all love, that was to the Pharisees. He spent a lot of time speaking to them because he loved them. He loved the religious people. He loved the rich people. He loved the poor and the lowest of the low. We are loved, aren't we? Whether we feel like it or not, we can know that we are loved. So, when Pat said, is that it? <laughs> so they were behind closed doors in fear. They were being hunted. The Pharisees were after them. And they were scary. They didn't want to be thrown into a dungeon. They didn't want to be flogged or stoned or killed with a sword or beaten, pushed over a cliff edge, fed to the lions. They didn't want any of that. They were scared. They were sheep without a shepherd. They were vulnerable and they were locked in, locked themselves in a room. The persecutions had already began then. And they continue, don't they, to this day. Islamic oppression, communism. In northern Nigeria, whole Christian communities are being killed. And villages and churches are burnt. Extreme persecution all over the world. North Korea, Afghanistan, Somalia, Libya, Pakistan, Sudan, Eritrea, Yemen, Iran, India, Syria, Maldives, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Uzbekistan, Myanmar, Turkey, China, Nigeria, Iraq, and the list goes on, and on, and on, and on. In 2015, in modern-day America, nine believers were gunned down in a prayer meeting, Charleston, A few months later, a gunman walked into a college in Oregon and asked people directly, are you a Christian? Those who professed their faith were shot in the head, while non-Christians were shot in the leg. This is happening now. Anti-Semitism is increasing all over the world. According to Premier Radio, 245 million Christians... A suffering persecution in the world today. They've got a new name for it. I've not heard this before. It's called Christophobia. It's happened in America. What happens in America? Comes to us, doesn't it? We always get it. It's not happening much in this country. We see, you know, street preachers arrested, Bibles confiscated in our city centres we hear about the odd persecution don't we we need a mighty outpouring from our God and we need a revival in our church in order for the next generation to be equipped to persevere because we're in the last days and I can't sorry yeah no page three Do you want to know how many pages there are? What telling you? Still in that room. What else were they feeling? Guilt and shame. You read about Gethsemane and the anguish that Jesus went through. Is there another way? Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. And they all fell asleep, left him. And then when he was arrested... They all went home. So only John and Peter hung around. Peter, riddled with guilt for what he'd done. Brave, bold Peter, full of himself. That was a problem, wasn't it? Full of pride, thought he knew better than Jesus. Oh no, Jesus, you must not be killed. Oh no, Jesus, I would never deny you. No, not me. They might, but I would never. Headstrong Peter, who walked on water, who cut off the high priest servant's ear to protect Jesus and prevent him from being arrested. Peter never thought he would act, deny Jesus like that. He was so out of character, but he was gripped by fear. Have you ever been gripped by fear? Happened to me once, I was thinking about it. Uh, Who's climbed Ingleborough Mountain? in the Yorkshire one of the three peaks I would imagine most of you have gone up it's an easy walk isn't it, you walk up it well I was climbing Ingleborough mountain a few years ago and when it gets to the top like mountains often do it goes very steep just for the last little bit so I ended up on all fours because the ground was a bit loose loose uh, gravel so I ended up on all fours and I don't know whether I looked down or what but I suddenly froze I was completely frozen and the people that I was with had gone ahead and they said are you alright I went yeah yeah I'm fine but I wasn't fine I was frozen with fear I couldn't even move a finger and I was like that for the longest time and then the lady looked to my left and a lady and a child walked past me and I got Myself together then I thought, oh, how embarrassing. And I managed I got to the top. But it was just I was just frozen. And it just took, came upon me, and it's the strangest thing. Have you ever done or said something that you never thought you would? Have you ever been in a position that you never ever thought you would be in? Have you ever been disappointed in yourself? Have you ever felt guilt or remorse for something you'd said or done? This is what they were feeling, those disciples, and Jesus wasn't there to say sorry to. Before you ask, page four. So they were grief-stricken, full of fear and guilt and shame. Jesus came and stood among them. Can you imagine that? (laughs) Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Now we say that to each other, don't we? Peace be with you. This is the Prince of Peace. He owns peace. And he pours out his peace. His peace binds up broken hearts. It soothes sorrows. It pulls down strongholds of fear. It's powerful. It's like oil on a machine that's jammed. You put a drop of oil on it, off it goes. It breaks every chain of guilt and shame. It stills turmoil. It brings you to a place of rest. You can have a cosy nap with Jesus in the boat while the storm rages around you. And he said it again, Peace be with you. Let's have a look at some descriptions and visions of our glorified Prince of Peace. Peace. The first one is from Song of Songs, chapter 5. She was looking for a lover. She was out in the city streets and she met up with some friends and she said, I can't find him, where is he gone? Have you seen my lover? And they said, how is your beloved better than others, most beautiful of women? How is your beloved better than others that you so charge us? My beloved, is radiant and ruddy, outstanding among ten thousand. His head is pure as gold. His hair is wavy and black as a raven. His eyes are like doves by the water streams, washed in milk, mounted like jewels. His cheeks are like beds of spice, yielding perfume. His lips are like lilies dripping with myrrh. His arms are rods of gold set with topaz. His body is like polished ivory decorated with lapis lazuli. That's a deep blue gem. His legs are pillars of marble set on bases of pure gold. His appearance is like Lebanon, choice as its cedars. His mouth is sweetness itself. He is altogether lovely. This is my beloved. This is my friend, daughters of Jerusalem. He is the lily of the valley, the rose of Sharon, the fairest of ten thousand, the bright morning star, the Alpha, the Omega, the one who was and is and is to come, altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful. And now Ezekiel chapter one, verse 26 to 28. There was a windstorm. An immense cloud with flashing lightning and surrounded by brilliant light and there were four living creatures. Now Ezekiel describes these four living creatures, but I don't know whether you've read through this. I've read through it and I can't, I can't imagine it. Because it was, he was looking at something that no one's ever seen, that's beyond what we can imagine. Verse, when the creatures moved, I heard the sound of their wings like the rushing of waters. Verse twenty-six. Above the vault over their heads was what looked like throne of lapis lazuli, and high above on the throne was a figure like that of a man. I saw that from what appeared to be his waist up, he looked like glowing metal, as if full of fire, and that from there down he looked like fire and brilliant light surrounded him. Like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the radiance around him. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. When I saw it... I fell face down and heard the voice of one speaking. Revelation, chapter 1, verse 12 to 18. On the Lord's day I was in the Spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet which said, write down what you see. I turned around, verse 12, to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars and coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive. Forever and ever. Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse, whose rider is called faithful and true. With justice he judges and wages war. With which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the wine press of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written. King of kings and Lord of lords. And the last one. Mark nine. Jesus took Peter, James and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. In other words, beyond imagination. This is our God. This is our Jesus. So we've gone on a journey from behind closed doors, full of fear, guilt and shame, and being about just about as miserable as anyone can be, to being in the presence of the glorified risen King of Heaven and Lord of the angel armies. They saw his hands and sighed. They were overjoyed. He breathed his spirit upon them, filled them with himself, his power, his love, his peace, his joy. You know, there's never any need to hide behind a closed door. Jesus wants access to every area of our lives. We read in Revelation, Behold, this is Jesus. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears and listens to my voice and opens the door, I will come in. This is the Holy Spirit talking to the church. It was a church in Laodicea. They were well off, comfortable church, but they were lukewarm. In the Song of Solomon, we hear the lover is knocking on the door. And peering in through the window, wanting to come in. And that's the Holy Spirit with the, individually in our lives. He's peering, he wants to come in. He wants you to open the door in every door. He doesn't want you to hide behind a closed door anymore. Because he is able to come in and bring peace to every area of your life. A.W. Tozer wrote this, and he died in 1963. If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on. No one would know the difference. The Holy Spirit built this church. If it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, there'd just be a row of houses like all the others. That's the past. This church was full. Gospel was preached and people were saved. That's the past. Do you know what the future holds? More. God has much, much more for us here. What has gone before is not the best of what God has for us. The best is always yet to come for a Christian. Always. Always. So it's an invitation to you this morning not to hide behind a closed door but to invite the Holy Spirit to come in to your own individual life and also as a body. And I'd like us to, as we sing the last hymn, if you want to invite the Holy Spirit to come more, if you want more of God, come to the front and we'll all pray together. There's a lovely song Valen like McGee, going back a long time. And the words are, "Although he's the Lord of all glory, he's only a prayer away."